You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So last week, we took time during the anniversary Sunday to hear from people who are part of our church family. And in doing so, I had a lot of people that we didn't have a chance to hear from. And so over the next several weeks, I had committed that we would hear from one another to those who wanted to say a word about their experience here. And before we do, um, I am reminded from time to time, and I'm, well, that's not fair. I remember often and am reminded from time to time in that remembrance that, um, you know, not all of us have these kind of experiences, even among us. And so if you sit here today, and I said this last week too, and you're hearing this and you're going, man, that's, that's not my experience, then let's meet, let's talk. I want to hear that from you. I want to understand um, or meet with someone on the staff or one of the shepherds because I am often reminded in my own life um, that I am not called to perfection but to faithfulness. And sometimes I am not as faithful as I ought to be. And likewise, a church of people who are also not called to perfection, but called to faithfulness, we are not always as faithful as we should be. We can sit with each other and miss each other. We can be in a room together and see each other, but not see each other. And so I ask that anytime we hear from a brother or sister who is sharing their experience as a part of this church, that you maybe be reflective. First off, if you're not experiencing that, sit with that, let's talk, I want to hear that. If you do experience that, um, if you have experienced that, then I'm asking you to do whatever you can do to make sure others experience that too. Does that make sense? That we not take this common life for granted and that we not miss each other? Not just in a building when we're together, but just in life in general. We have a lot of people who are going through hard things right now, and I recognize that. Some really hard things. Let's not miss each other in those hard things. But we also don't know what people bring into this space when we gather. And sometimes they just need to be seen too. Let's not miss them. Let's not miss each other. Does that make sense, y'all? We good? Everybody? I think that's important. So with that, I want to ask Sam. Could come on up, Sam. Your turn. Come on, Sam. Oh, oh. Did you pay them to do that? He paid you five dollars to start to clap, didn't he? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But now he will. So, Sam, come on up. Uh, Sam's going to share his experience here. Sam's been here. He's been a college student for twenty years, um, and he's been at the, he's been in this church for about that long. It feels. Which, I love this guy, and um, when you hear his heart, you'll, uh, you'll understand why. So, Sam, take it away, brother. Oh, okay. A little nervous. Uh, 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 yep, right here. Can I take this off? You can. Oh, that's weird. Uh, hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Sam, uh, and I just wanted to share a bit of my story uh, here at WCC and just throughout my life. My name is Sam. If you don't know me. Hello, nice to meet you. Whoever said that. Yeah. Uh, so I remember I was a naive freshman away from home. I got into, w- uh, I got into William Mary, 
And I, I wanted to be what I thought what, like a good Christian was, like a good Christian kid, like going to church, hearing a sermon, you know, once in a while, uh, and then praying here and there, you know. Oh, there's someone in need. Let me pray for them, you know. Uh, and then sharing the gospel once in a while. And then I found Agape Christian Fellowship uh, in William & Mary. And they brought me to WCC. So here I am. And I remember the first day. Uh, I, I don't really remember the specific praise songs or the sermon or the prayers we prayed. So I don't really remember everything. But one thing I do remember is that uh, Fred told us all to come up. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then we were all lined up, and I was right here. And it was a bunch of students were kind of cramped. And I'm like, I don't know anyone that well. It's kind of uncomfortable. But um, I do remember uh, Fred saying, uh, and he shared that WCC will always be our home away from home, a loving and faith-filled community that will pick us up whenever we needed it. And I remember I don't know we just crying. I was like, why am I crying? It's like, what? That's weird. Um, and thinking back, I think I finally realized, like, I have a home, and I have a family, and I have a church, um, because back then I didn't really have that. And so I finally found a church that showed me the kingdom of light amidst the dominion of darkness. So throughout my time here, there have been people around me who have been there for me um, through small and big interactions. And through these interactions, I was growing in understanding what the gospel truly was, and that Jesus is Christ and God with us to show us God's love, liberating us from the reign of sin and darkness and into the God's kingdom of light to share in Jesus's life both now and forever. I kind of cheated. This is all paraphrasing what Fred said. But, uh, Not in his writing. He put that from somewhere else. <laughs> but... Um, WCC showed me that the gospel has to look like something. It's not just meeting uh, every Sunday to sing some songs and to listen to the words from a preacher. Uh, it has to be boots on the ground, hands ready to serve, heart willing to you know, go out there. And uh, WCC, there are many people who are willing to speak at ACF large groups and giving us a space to study and to also hold events whenever we needed a place um, but not only just for ACF, there was also WCC connections that connected any college student um, to a home, away from home. And my WCC connections is uh, here too, still here. And I, we continue to thrive and continue to catch up and stuff. And it's really beautiful. I recommend college students, WCC connections, shameless plug. All right. And then, but not only just that. Helping, I remember during COVID times, when it was really hard for everyone, we were giving out food care packages. I remember waking up so early, driving all the way down to Richmond just to help out, and it was freezing. It was freezing, but I remember, I'm like, this is my workout for today. Let's just, let's just push through. Um, through opening the church to be a winter shelter and just seeing all these new faces, all these people with different stories, different interactions, different experiences all coming together, and having socially displaced people back on their feet and uh, finally give them a place that they can call home. 
and so many more things that I can't even fit in this piece of paper right now. Um, there were some people when I did share, when I was vulnerable, that didn't even judge me when I was ashamed of my own sins, and I committed quite a bit my undergrad year, and we, we all still do, but by the grace of God, we're here together. Um, and so WCC has challenged me time and time again to see what Jesus would do and do it myself as I partner in the mission of love, to truly live like Jesus lived as the chosen beloved, the royal priests, the holy citizens, and God's special, citizen, uh, special possessions. Even in times where I have been depressed, have been ashamed, deep in my sin, deep in the pit, WCC has taught me the witness that God is truly with us so that we can be with him. That God truly takes delight in us so we can take delight in him. That God is closer to us than the breath in our lungs. That God mourns with those who mourn and rejoices with those who rejoice. That God will always say that we are his beloved children whom he takes delight in. And unfortunately, this is my last school year here. Um, I'll be going back to Maryland. Uh, I've been, like Fred said, a college student for like 20 years now, so I, ha I have to move on, you know. But um, sadly, yeah, it's coming soon, but I praise God for such a wonderful church that exemplifies the church. And without you all and all the blessings, I would not be the man I am today. So thank you all for being there for me. Sam has been in dental school, and I imagine you're going to open a dental practice. Is that what it is? Or work for a dental practice? You work with your dad. But if anybody wants to invest in a new dental practice here in Williamsburg to keep Sam here longer, we will collect the money uh, and make that happen. Uh, I'm going to ask Katie. Katie, where are you? I saw you earlier. Yes, your turn. Come on up. Everybody, yep. Up Katie. Katie, another William & Mary student. Um, you'll see her picture up here in just a moment. There's a picture of her uh, and I in her baptism up here. So, yes, there you are. You want to you wanna hold this? Okay, yep, yep. Hold that. I got it for you. Here, I got you. Yep. Things falling out. Thanks. All right. Um, yes, yeah, so I am a senior at William & Mary, um, which you don't have to do the math. That means I graduated high school and started college in 2020. Um, because of that, I was not able to get plugged into a church right away when I came to college. Um, I got involved in InterVarsity pretty quickly, but as far as church, um, I was just watching various online services, some from here in Williamsburg, some from home. Um, and it was, it was kind of weird, you know? Um, but once, once things started opening up after a year or so that I was here, um, one of the uh, upper class and one of the seniors who went here, um, Alex Mooney, <laughs> um, he offered to drive a few of us, a few of us underclassmen. Um, and that was great. And he was just, you know, this was, this was the place I could get a ride to, so this is where I went. Um, and at first, this is not where I would have necessarily picked, because um, it's quite different um, from my home church. I was looking, thinking I would look for something similar um, that that was my home church was a, a very contemporary kind of border, very large borderline mega church um, in Northern Virginia, um, and that's what I was used to. So I thought that's what I wanted. Um, but one of the first things that struck me about WCC when I started coming here 
is that this was the first time I had really felt known at a church. I went to my home church for about 10 years, and I don't think the head pastor would have been able to pick me out of any of the other hundreds of kids in the youth group. But when I came here, I think it was my second or third week, um, Pastor Fred greeted me by name when I walked in, and not only did he just know my name, he seemed genuinely happy to see me. And that was just not something I had ever experienced um, at a church before. Um, And yeah, so the longer I've gone here, the more I've recognized that that really is one of the core values of this church, is community. Um, And I know a lot of churches and Christian groups um, use community as a buzzword, and it's often in the name, even. Um, But here here it truly is lived out. Um, Acts 2 says of the early church, all the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I just think this really sums up the heart of WCC. Um, If you need proof, just look through all 35 pages of the worship guide um, and look at all of the the ways that... um, that the church cares for um, the members of its own community, the members of the wider um, Williamsburg community. Um, Certainly, my goodness, do they care for college students. Um, We feel very loved, (laughs) Um, whether it's little finals care packages, um, that same time when they call everyone up to the front and we awkwardly stand there while they pray over us, Um, you know, opening up the student center for a study space, again, the connections ministry. I have a wonderful, um, Robin and Bill are my Connections family, and they are wonderful. Um, And yeah, so I'm just really, really thankful for that. Um, I've actually not been going here consistently my whole time in college. Um, Last fall, some of the friends I was going with, um, going to church with, wanted to just try out some new places since we didn't really get to do that during COVID. Um, So I went along with the church hopping for a while. Um, But as soon as I ended up coming back here, it became very, very clear that this is where I needed to be. Um, I remember my my first week back um, after a little while, I was just very overwhelmed with the spirit. And I think I also started crying. I was like, what the heck? (laughs) But yeah, very clear um, that this was was the church I needed to be at. Um, So this spring when I decided to get baptized, Um, Yeah, it was a no-brainer that I wanted to get baptized here, um, and I asked Pastor Fred if he would do it. Um, And there we are in the James River. It was so cold that day. (laughs) It was freezing. Um, But yeah, just a really, really wonderful wonderful experience. Um, And a lot of my friends were able to be there uh, to support me then. Um, But yeah, I just really wanted to just thank WCC on behalf um, of both myself and all the students at William & Mary. Um, just for caring for us, loving us, supporting us, um, and above all, just showing us an example of what the church, um, meaning a people, uh, should really look like. So. And then I'm going to ask Chuck. Where's Chuck? Anybody seen Chuck? <laughs> I'm only doing that because he was standing right in front of me, and I, I looked at Sal and said, where's Chuck? And he goes, Hello. Sorry, bro. You want to hold it? I, and man, let me tell you, it's precarious. That's why we have workers' comp around here. You ready? All right. You want to hold this? All right. I'm not sure what Fred's got on his mind today because, uh, oh, yeah. oh, 
I'm not sure what Fred's got on his mind today. I'm sure it's something, but uh, I am caught by the fact that there were two very young people up here, and now you've got this ancient person up here with gray hair and the whole night. So, eh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what he's got in mind. However, I'd like to start by reading Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I like to think that what got us here was those verses. We came to Williamsburg just as COVID broke out, and so there was quite a bit of time, as already been mentioned, where we weren't able to hunt for a church or look for a church, and so that was somewhat difficult. Our pastor from the Outer Banks, which is where we came from, had recommended a church, uh, and we went there, and the messages were good, no friendship. We'd walk into the church, sit down, nobody would talk to us. We'd try to make conversations, the conversation would last about 10 seconds, and then they'd go on. So we gave up on that church. We went to two other churches, and whereas we were sort of getting fed, there was always just some sort of difference that didn't play right in our heart. It, it, it wasn't a home to us. So one day, we go to a doctor over here, and uh, we come driving down the road, and Sally said, Sally's my wife, she said, we've never gone to that church. We need to try that out. Okay. So the next Sunday, and actually it was sort of unique, it was their anniversary Sunday, and we, uh, we came in, and they were meeting out in the yard, of course, and, and so there was tons of people, so we didn't stay. But as we're leaving, I think it was John came by and said, hey, you guys got to stay, we got plenty of food, plenty of no, we're we not comfortable, came back the next Sunday, and that's where we fell in love with this church. As we walked in, we saw all the young college students, which, very frankly, you don't see very often when you go to church. We looked on the other side, there were a bunch of young families. There were a bunch of young people. And then, of course, grayheads like myself. And our first comment was, well, somebody must be doing something right to get this whole group of people to come to church every Sunday. And then there was a fellowship in welcoming. We had no longer, uh, no sooner walked in the door than several people. Bob Carlton introduced himself and welcomed us and said thank you and who are you and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll never forget this. Danny Poe walked up to us. Danny doesn't know us from Adam's house cat because it's the first time we'd been in the building. And he said, hey, we're starting a small group. Do you want to join? Oh, okay. Our, our comment was, well, if we join the church, we'll probably want to do that. But just the difference between churches, and when you come in this door, and it's already been said, there's friendship, there's camaraderie, there's people that care for one another. And if you've been in as many churches as I have, because I've traveled quite a bit in my life, you know that's, that's not true. That's not always something you see in a church. And then I go back to the first message that Fred ever gave us. And I'm going to comment on that again later, but Fred opened up my heart like it has never been opened before. 
And the spirit just hit me, and I recognized that this was a very special place. So what have we learned since we've been here? And this is going on our third year, I suppose. Well, we've learned that the entire staff is amazing. Everybody that works for this church has only got one thing in mind. How do I get the word of God out to the people? How do I improve the spiritual uh, relationship of these people? And what's the best and easiest way to do it? And we've got to understand that nobody's forgotten. I don't care how big the problem is or how small the problem is. Somebody in this church, most of us, are going to step up and make sure that that's taken care of. And it goes on all things. Is it transportation? Do you need a ride? Is it housing? Can we find you someplace to live? Is it meals? Or is it just prayers? And this church never, I suppose we do fail, but it's, it's not in our, our method to fail. We, we like to succeed in all these different areas. And, and that to me is a huge thing. And what I'm going to say now, I've prayed about because I don't know whether it's appropriate or not, but since I prayed about it and I haven't got any bad signals, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Fred had probably asked me not to mention this, but like I said, I'm going to do it anyway. And besides, I've heard the same thing from many of the other people that we deal with here in the church and, and we have in the church. You know, like... Like anything else, if you're going to succeed, whether it's business, politics, religion, if you're going to succeed, you, you need a strong leader. You need somebody that has a grasp on the picture, where we're going, what we're going to do, how we're going to get there. And without that, you're going to fail. Um, and I think that's what we've got here on, on all areas, not only Fred. And I don't want to hold Fred up to, to idolizing. I want to just say that Fred has got the intellect to be able to teach. But he's got a special gift that we need to recognize. Fred's got a gift that talks to the college people, talks to the young adults, talks to the old adults, and talks to the grayhead. And he comes at you and causes you to want to dig deeper into the word just by the things he says. And he keeps us apprised of, of current things like the war in Israel. And, and he gives us insight into what that's all about and how we should help people that have been treated badly by society. And all that causes this group, in my opinion, to come together because we, we have leadership, not just from Fred, as I said, but, but Aaron and Garrett and all the rest of John, and I'm going to leave somebody out, and I'm sorry, because I, I just will, I know. But that's what this church is all about. And it's all about helping us to get a better feeling for Christ and to bring him into our lives and then respond to that by taking care of the situations that we need to take care of. Uh, the things that I've learned here, I've delved into areas in the Bible that I've never delved into before. I've tried to increase and, and learn more and just, just be a better, better Christian than uh, I am. But 
like all of us, I'm a work in progress. And so, yeah, I'll mess up. And all I can do when I do that is ask for forgiveness and, and uh, ask for forgiveness from you people as well. Um, finally, what have I learned about my, or what have we learned with the association with WCC? Well, first of all, the thing we do every Sunday, the WCC rules of life. And if you hone in on those rules of life so that when something comes up that's, that's abrasive to you or wrong to you, that you don't jump off and follow the, the evil one, but you say, oh, whoops, wait a minute, here's the rules of life that I got to live with. And you got to get used to that. You got to, every week we do that so that they're there so that we go to them first as opposed to the other side of the ledger. I've learned that that uh, we are blessed by the church, by the population here, by a small group that Sally and I are involved in. And what that's done is to just show us continually how Christians should act under all situations. And last, because of who we are at WCC, we've learned that you get a different perspective because everyone is welcome. Doesn't make any difference what race you are, what color you are, what creed you are, what situation you're in, you walk in that door and you're welcome here. Doors are always open for everybody to come and that's how it should be. Thank you guys. Um, thank, thank all three of you for offering your words. Um, yeah, so one of the beautiful things about today um, is Todd is with us, Todd Vaught. He is the executive director of this great organization uh, that we support as one of our missions here, um, one of our partnering organizations. It's called Mission Alive. And what I love about Mission Alive is Mission Alive, and, and actually, Todd, I wanted to tell you this, a, a, a person in our church who's very... Um, very much a part of what God is doing here, said it's really cool that we support an organization like Mission Alive because they plant a lot of churches like the kind of church we want to continue to be. Um, and so with that being said, I'm going to ask Todd to come up here because time is, is of the essence. I want to read a text with us um, from, uh, you can have a seat there, bro, from Ezekiel really quickly. Uh, here's the story. Uh, Ezekiel is a priest-to-be. He's about 30 years old. He's waiting to be installed as a priest. Babylon comes and exiles God's people out of their place. God's people sin. Their injustice, their militarism, their violence, their anxiety, their nationalism has gotten the best of them. And they are not listening to God's prophets. And so now the consequences of their actions have taken shape. And Babylon has come and exiled them from their home. Ezekiel's priest installation is now paused and he is now ushered into a life he didn't sign up for the life of a prophet and he sees destruction and sadness and hurt and he sees Israel's sins and he sees the injustices and he sees the enemy flourishing as they are dying and God then begins to give him these visions and these visions are almost like psychedelic visions if you read them they're crazy they're all over the place they're big they're huge they're poetic it's just like wow and this is one of those visions that he gets. Because one of the things that Yahweh wants him to know is that there's not an area of Israel's life that Yahweh will not restore and bring life to. Because God does not work in our lives through compartments, 
God works in our whole lives if we allow God to do that. And so he gets this vision. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, and the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Next he brought me out of the way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faced east. There were the water... There the water was trickling from the south side. Now, I know that's a lot of north, south, east stuff. If you're like me in direction, um, it doesn't matter. Here's what you just need to know. Just pay attention to the text. This is a vision. Todd's going to explain it. As the man went out east with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my ankles. Then he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water, and it came up to my knees. He measured off a third of the mile and led me through the water. It came up to my waist. Again, he measured off a third of a mile, and it was a river that I could not cross on foot, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed on foot. He asked me, Do you see this, son of man? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I had returned, I saw a large number of trees along both sides of the river bank. He said to me, This water flows out to the eastern region, region and goes down to the Arabah. When it enters the sea, the sea of foul water, the water of the sea becomes fresh. Every kind of living creature that swarms will live wherever the fervor flows, and there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside it from the Engedi to the Inglam, which are the two springs near the Dead Sea. These will become places where nets are spread out to dry. Their fish will consist of many different kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Yet its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be left for salt. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fresh fruit because the water comes from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for eating and their leaves for healing. That is the text. So I'll introduce Todd in a moment, but Todd, what is, what is Ezekiel seeing? So uh, as Fred said, you can get all confused with all the directional signs, but the temple in Jerusalem is seated at the highest point in the city, and directly east, which is the direction the temple faces, is a sheer cliff that drops down, and it goes on out toward the Jordan River. And that's the direction that this water that's coming out of the temple flows down toward the Jordan River and eventually turns south toward the Arabah Desert. And I don't know if, how many of you have been maybe to West, to, uh, West Texas. Uh, show of hands. Anybody ever been to West Texas? Right? So you know we're talking dry. We're talking um, very small trees, kind of scrub brush. And that's a little bit what uh, Judea is like there where Jerusalem is. And yet this water that's coming out of the sanctuary flows down toward the Jordan River, which in, in Virginia terms would be more like a creek, <laughs> not so much of a river. Uh, a West Texas River is sort of like a creek, uh, not, not a huge uh, flowing river, but more uh, a trickle, uh, something you can 
across relatively easily, and yet this water flowing down, it starts ankle deep and then knee deep and then hip deep, and then it is so wide that you can't cross it. And at some point when you calculate all that together, maybe it's two or three miles wide, where normally it's maybe as wide as this building is, right? but it becomes two or three miles wide. And it not only becomes a big flowing river flowing out of the temple, but then wherever the river flows, this is verse nine, wherever the river flows, things will live. And it goes down into the Arabah desert and it turns the desert into life. It flows down into the Dead Sea and it turns the Dead Sea, which normally nothing can survive in the Dead Sea because of the high saline content. In fact, if any of you have ever gone and, and tried to swim in the Dead Sea, you can swim, but you swim on top of the water because the, the buoyancy is so high because of the high saline content in the water. It, it's it's, uh, it's an, a bizarre experience but not one that can sustain life. And yet where the river flows, everything will live. And this region where this river is flowing starts moving down past the Arabah, down and broadens the river into the land, the ancient land of Israel's enemies, the Moabites and the Edomites and the Hittites, and it begins to move the river, this life-giving river, into the land of Israel's traditional enemies. And it says, on both sides of the river, there are fruit trees. Fruit trees for, for food and for healing. There is water full of all kinds of fish, like the Mediterranean Sea. So many fish. Even down into the Dead Sea, so many fish. Wherever the river flows, everything will live. And so we've chosen this passage in Mission Alive to say the water needs to flow from the, the sanctuary, from the people of God, out into the dead world, the world where things are dead and dry and, and don't have what they need for sustaining life and let the word of God, let the presence and the love of God that comes from the sanctuary flow into a world that so often the church sees as an enemy. God forgive us when we look at our world and we see our world as enemies. That world is the world that God wants to provide fruit and healing and sustenance to. So that's why we picked that image. And I feel like it's, it's, it's you know, when Ezekiel read when he receives this, it's to help him have an imagination for what God is wanting to do so that when God begins to do it, Ezekiel can not only see it, but also join God in it. And so what I love about Mission Alive is Mission Alive is an organization that helps church planters and helps everyday disciples of Christ Cultivate the imagination, something like this, so that when God begins to move among us and from within us out into our neighborhoods and our networks and our everyday places as everyday people, we will see it. And then not only see it, we will be benefit, we will be benefit from it. 
as we join God in it. And so, Todd, we obviously, I'm sorry, we, the time is what it is. Um, tell us who Mission Alive is, and then just tell us just uh, one story. Uh, so Mission Alive is 20 years old. Uh, we train leaders to start new, innovative communities of faith focused on marginalized communities. Let me break that down. Uh, we use the term uh, innovative communities of faith. That really means church, but you guys know like I do that the, church, the word church has been totally co-opted, right? It means one of two things in American culture. What does it mean? A building or a worship gathering, right? When we say church, it either means building or worship gathering, and yet when we read Scripture... Oh, man, the church was so much more than that. Frankly, it's so much more like what happens here at WCC. I love this place. What you guys are doing, what Chuck just said was just such a beautiful testimony, right? So, so we talk about training leaders who will start innovative. Now, we use the word innovative just to kind of make the point this isn't your grandma's church, Right? And yet, what we're really imagining isn't really innovative, right? It's really quite old, right? The early centuries of Christianity, the church was known for caring for not just themselves, but for their community, even to their own detriment. Uh, we could tell story after story after story of examples of how the early Christians gave of themselves to the point that it hurt them for the sake of their neighbors. And that's what it looks like when you live the way of Jesus. And so when we use the word innovative, we're really talking about something quite, quite old. Um, innovative communities of faith focused on marginalized communities. You know, so often when church planting organizations focus on starting new churches, they start them in wealthy suburbs because they want those churches to be financially independent in two or three years. And that virtually guarantees that marginalized communities will not have new churches being, being started there. And, and yet Jesus started, the gospel was given birth in and among marginalized populations of people. And so Mission Alive has chosen to focus on starting new innovative communities of faith in and for, focused on marginalized communities. We've identified six types of marginalized communities, urban communities, immigrant and refugee, refugee communities, Native American communities, rural communities, what we call transitioning suburban communities, that's longer explanation, and then university communities. And most of the time when we plant a church, they're actually a combination of those. Uh, but there are other kinds of marginalized communities, but those are the six we're focusing on now. And what I appreciate about Mission Lives, they don't go in with a hero complex. They partner with people who are already embedded in the community to do the work and join them as they're there. And Todd will tell a brief story about that in just a moment. Um, but just so you know, from frame of reference, I've known Todd for 15 years, and Mission Alive was a part of our own process here at WCC when the founder of Mission Alive, Galen and Renan, one of my old mentors, one of Todd's mentors, uh, came and just helped me through a very hard transition out of a megachurch experience into this place. 
and guided me along the way as a young, as a young man. Um, I'm still a young man. As a young man uh, back then, uh, much younger man. And uh, Todd and I became good friends. I've even had the joy of working with Mission Alive in some, some areas, helping with some of the Mid-Atlantic stuff and helping with some church renewal things with other church leaders. Uh, so Mission Alive has been a mission that we support financially for, for years, for years, for 13 years, 14 years, um, and have benefited from as well in some of the training. Todd's been here before, and we've, we've had them train our, our ministry leaders before uh, as well. And so they were here this weekend along with about 18 WCC people uh, to come through our theology and trauma lab uh, that we had all weekend long. It was 20 hours of, of training, equipping. Uh, we're all exhausted, um, but it was a beautiful time. And I just wanted Todd to be able to be introduced to you because we have a lot of new faces here and I want you to know that this is a way that we join God in planting churches across the United States of America as well as just North American context. And under Todd's leadership, the shift to move toward partnering with people within historically marginalized communities and to join God in what God is already doing in those contexts to bring about new expressions of faith is important. This is important for us because not only is it a mission we share financially to support, but it's also who we are. Too many times in our consumerist culture, we come to churches wanting something from the church. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be included and to be welcomed and wanting something from the church. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Where it becomes problematic is when what we want from the church is built upon our terms without any real regard of taking a step forward and giving to the church as well. It is the one thing where reciprocity, where there's a cycle of giving and receiving and giving and receiving because... We're called to mutuality. So I don't come just wanting something from Natalie. I come wanting to learn how to give myself to my sister. Now you see the difference? And Natalie's living her life to learn how to do the same for me. And when you and I and Natalie and all of us do that toward one another, we all flourish. Does that make sense? But if we come in as consumers, we don't. And so we press in and press out, and Mission Alive bears witness to what that looks like. So speaking of bearing witness, why don't you tell us just one story, because I know we are running on time. And Todd will be here, and it won't be the last time, So, but tell, tell us a story, bro. So in 2019, we had a new church plant move to South Dakota uh, to work among or on or near the Lakota Sioux, popula- the Lakota Sioux Reservation that's called Pine Ridge. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Pine Ridge. It is a very large, uh, some say the most populous, populated and the largest physically uh, reservation in the United States. It is also by many measures considered to be the second poorest community, listen to me, in the Western Hemisphere in the middle of the heartland of the United States, the second poorest community in the Western Hemisphere after Haiti. The devastation there, the cultural devastation there is absolutely unthinkable. The things that were done, and again, we don't have time for me to go into all of that history, 
if you want to be sickened, go read it yourself. It will utterly make you sick to realize the things that were done. And here's what makes it worse. Many, many, many times those things were done in the name of Jesus. Those, the, the devastation and the abuse had an overlay, a stamp of Jesus Christ on it because it was churches and pastors and priests that were the leaders of the organizations committing some of those atrocities. And so here we are in 2023 and we've got a church planter there and here's what we know. We know that that work is not going to be a, a five-year work or a 10-year work. It's going to be a generation or two as trust gets rebuilt, as the, uh, they embody the love of Jesus in a place that absolutely does not trust white Christian people. And they have no reason. They have no reason. And so we've got a family there. They're growing. They're building their ministry. They are having some amazing uh, things happen. And again, no time to go through it all, but some truly amazing things happening. And I'm going to tack one more on. I won't tell the story, but we are in conversation with a guy in Alabama who is a convicted murderer. We're not sure we're going to work with him yet, but we might. But he's a convicted murderer. And he came to Christ, and he wants to plant a church in the neighborhood where he grew up. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And I, I just consider it to be such a mind-blowing honor that God lets us be in conversation with people like that. And let me tell you, the reason why Todd would even say, and we're not sure we're going to work with him, one of the things I appreciate about Mission Alive is they put people through a rigorous, uh, a rigorous process. That if you're going to plant a church, no matter where you come from and who you are, no matter what pedigree you bring to the table, you can come with more degrees than a thermometer, and they're still going to put you through um, a process of, of rigor that's going to make sure that you're healthy as you go out into these communities, or especially if you're embedded in these communities. One of the things I love about the name of, what's the, real quick, what's the name of the church in that area that you were describing just now? In Pine Ridge. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's one. But, but what's the other what's the other community called there? Uh, in, in yeah. Pine Ridge. Yeah, Pine Ridge. Um, so they're calling that. Um, oh He's gosh, tired, y'all. Blank, I'm blanking we on it. each other out this weekend. Candace, do you remember? <laughs> Everybody's tired. Nobody's going to remember. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to find out. But the key thing is that he knows. Ah, peace initiative. Peace initiative. That's it. I knew peace it was peace. Initiative. That's why I wanted to um, bring it out. Um, so, so church. When you get a chance, learn about Mission Lab starting next week. Okay, so you're going to notice some changes in kind of some setup. To your, when you walked into the, to the, to the worship center, to your left, you see the local resources wall, right? Um, and you'll see, uh, like, our worship guides are going to be there. And then things specific to WCC. It's our common life wall. It's our common life resources. You common lives resources. Yeah, so then you look to the left. Or which, when you come in, you'll look to your right. Told you I'm direction dumb. And you'll see local resources and global resources. Uh, every week you get here together, you're going to see new things in those slots. Start pulling from those slots and taking a look at that. One of the things you'll see in a couple of weeks is something from Mission Live. And be prayerful for this ministry because this ministry is a meaningful ministry doing meaningful work. I love this man. I love his family. I love the people who have been a part of this. They have been a big blessing in my life, a huge blessing in my life, actually. And they've been a blessing in the life of this church. 
uh, and I want to continue to encourage us to be a blessing to them and to receive the blessing that they are to us. So I'm going to ask Todd, if you will, to come on up here. Um, and Candace, if you would, would you come up here um, again? And I'm going to ask, I think all of the shepherds were here. Oh, I've got one shepherd here. So I'm going to ask for the shepherds to come uh, and any staff that is still here to come. And uh, I think Stephen and Jonathan were here first gathering. And I think everybody else is gone. Hey, y'all pray for Latanya. She has COVID. Um, so pray for her as she's recovering. And now Ashley has it too. Um, so be praying for her. And church, if you'll all stand and let's extend a hand of blessing. And then as we do that, we're going to be invited to come to the table. So let's extend a hand of blessing over Todd and Candace and then, of course, of Mission Live. Father God, we thank you and praise you that you are the God who knows us best and loves us most. And we aren't just recipients of your grace, but we are partners in it. And that's a pretty incredible thing to think about. And God, yeah, we confess that some of us struggle to, to manage time, to manage you know, the season of life we're in, and we're busy, and things are what they are, and yet you're with us in the midst of all of that, working through all of that with us, inviting us that as we do it to keep our eyes open everywhere we go for what it is you're doing in us and among us, because there's no place we'll be where you aren't with us, because you are as close to us as the breath in our lungs. So Father, bless Todd and Candace, bless their ministry from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Fill them with your spirit, bless them, bless Mission Alive, that it will continue to be a witness of love and presence and hospitality in this society that we call home. And be with the people that are embedded in these places, who are part of these places, as they long to see you move in these places and as partnerships develop. Father, raise up partnerships with Mission Alive and them. Bring those connections together and do your work. Whatever funding, whatever resource, whatever needs are there, bless them, we pray. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.